Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Author News Weekly. We have, wow, we have so many people today. We have a great show, some cool news, um, some things that are going to um, make you steam, probably, some things that are going to make you sad, and hopefully we're going to leave you on an end note. But by and large, we want to give you the news, overthink it so you don't have to uh, spend your precious brain power doing the same thing. As usual, we want to kind of go around the virtual room here and introduce ourselves and just give the listeners... Um, a little bit of insight about like, why um, why they should listen to you on your take of the news. Let's start. Um, well, I mean, I can start so because we have a guest here. Give you an example. Um, I'm Roland Denzel. Uh, I'm the indestructible author, and I help. Uh, I'm a, a nonfiction author, ten books, and I am working on my uh, first novels. So uh, don't take advice from me on uh, on writing craft when it comes to novels. But I do know how to market, launch, and help people um, get their books out into the world. And uh, let's go on to, uh, I don't know, it's uh, Pippa. Uh, hi, I'm Pippa. I write as Moira Katzen and Natalie Gray in sci-fi and fantasy, and I do a whole bunch of ghostwriting. So I've written about... 75 to 100 novels, maybe. And oh. um, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's like no nonfiction. So don't take the advice on the nonfiction from me. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Jim. 75 to 100. Jeez. <laughs> Even she. That's impressive. Um, like the hi. range between the low and the high is like what most people write in a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> it's between one and eight million. Uh, somewhere in there. I can't count anymore. I don't really know. <laughs> I, I have literally stopped counting. Uh, I am Jim Heskett. I'm an author of mostly thrillers. I've written somewhere between one and 30 or 40. Um, I also am a professional copywriter, specifically of blurbs, and I make stuff on YouTube, and I've made lots of podcasts and other stuff. Awesome. And um, Nick. My name is Nick, and I write the books, and they're on the internet, and uh, <laughs> they're wince wherefore you can find them. <laughs> Nick's underselling himself. <laughs> because he also probably not though probably not helps he's a great uh he helps thriller authors market their books publish their books so he's uh he's a great person to talk to about uh, publishing too yeah and email and dave introduce yourself we have a guest today dave barons yeah my name is dave um i've written 30 to 40 words today um <laughs> probably in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 books something like that and uh, I also do cover design for authors of all shapes and sizes. Does some good covers too. Thank you. He's, yeah. All right. So looking at the news, this this first one is um, I'm sure that you have all heard about it, but um, there was a hit piece we're going to call it by about Brandon Sanderson on Wired magazine. I'm, I did include the link there. I don't think at this point, I don't think, you know, Wired getting a few more clicks is going to make or break 
them or anything like that. So I do, I still recommend that people read it as a, as something that can even happen to the nicest person in the world. Like, I'm not saying that Brandon Sanderson is the nicest person in the world, but he certainly seems like a nice guy and did not deserve this. And he was certainly caught off guard. So this is a lesson uh, for me. This was a lesson in preparing yourself for an interview that you think was amazing. Because you never know. Who's got a take on this uh, Brandon Sanderson piece? Not me. <laughs> I, I mean, this is like when when brides call up crying because their mother-in-law wants to wear a white dress to the wedding. They're like, what should I do? And you're like, let her. She looks like a douche. <laughs> like, it's the same with the hit piece. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I'm really just embarrassed for Wired that they published this. <laughs> the author of this article, who we don't need to name, it's pretty clear this guy has a few trunk novels that he's never been able to get published or screenplays he's never been able to option. Um, you know, it's really distasteful the way that they go after him and, and go after his religion, too. I found that really distasteful and un completely unnecessary to just repeatedly hit him for being Mormon for no reason. Um and it's just, it just smacks of jealousy. You know, it's the kind of thing where when Bob tells you something about Sally, you've really learned something about Bob, not about Sally. Mm. Um, so it's, it's just gross. I love Brandon Sanderson. His Mistborn books were amazing. His uh, Stormlight Archive, the, the fact that they're all 400,000 words is a little too intimidating for me, but his Mistborn books were great. He's a great fantasy writer. He writes with a very, he does write in a simplistic style. Uh, he says that he does not like to revise his work. He's pretty much first draft, then it goes to editor, which kind of explains why you see a lot of repeated phrases. But it's the kind of author that, like, I, when I'm reading it, I recognize there's repeated phrases and really basic language, but I don't care because the stories are so compelling. Yeah. And when it works for so many people, like, it's the whole thing about, well, why is Twilight catching on? Why is such and such catching on? You're like, well, it seems to work for a bunch of people. So maybe instead of wasting your time talking about all the reasons it's not good, study what's um, working. One thing that really bothered me was um, to sort of play off what Jim was saying. He attacked Brandon Sanderson's religion as if the religion had something to do with anything in his books or anything in his writing or anything. And there's literally like he, says oh and he keeps saying that oh and he's super mormon like he's like not just mormon he's super mormon he used the word weirdo at one point yeah but there's like no evidence of any weirdo there's not even any evidence of he doesn't even talk about the any of the mormon or religious aspects in the article he just keeps super mentioning mormon. it have a cape yeah. associated with it <laughs> yeah to me it read like um this guy the the this person who wrote the article like was making some, I call it post fact, right? Like he was making some assumptions about, hey, we all can agree that Mormons are the worst, right? Ha ha ha, kind of, you know, elbow. And, and so, so because he's Mormon, this guy's the worst. Like it was just this really like unsubstantiated feeling that he was trying to appeal to the collective as if the collective agreed with him about like Mormons are weird, um, sci fi fantasy nerds are nerds and nerds are bad like there's all these little things in there that i was like dude fuck you man you may ingest a satchel of richards That's what <laughs> you can quote me on that all day long what can we quote you on dave 
I, I, to be perfectly honest with you, I had never heard of this writer, this guy that wrote the piece. And I don't read Wired magazine on a regular basis, but of course this made the rounds. And so what did I do? Probably what everyone I, I hope did. You know, I clicked on the author of the article's name and I went down that rabbit hole finding his social media. And if you want to have some real eye-opening uh, insight into who this guy is, go to his Twitter and just scroll for a bit. It is absolutely ridiculous, the drivel that this guy's got on his Twitter. It's, there is nothing redeeming about it at all. And like I think it was Jim said, I could find no evidence of this guy being anything other than a an article writer. So he's either, you know, he's like he's got a few, couple of manuscripts that haven't sold and he's jealous of this. But I mean, I took part in this. I agree with Jim. Mistborn was a great series. I got in on the the whole new, I got in on the Kickstarter. I did get some of those in audiobook, and, you know, that's my preferred format and I'm excited to hear them. Um, the books are great for me and I'm, he's not even really my favorite writer. So I don't know, this guy, this guy had something on his shoulders to knock off. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's like a bigger thing here, like that's Hold so can we... go ahead. Pippa, go ahead. I was going to say, can we agree though, that, that Sanderson's response to this was the class act, which shouldn't surprise oh, yeah. anyone at this point, but like yeah, it, it was just yeah. it was a gorgeous response. It was just like, wow, I, I'm so sorry you didn't have a good time. And well, you know, here are some strong yeah. pieces of that article. Like, oh god. <laughs> I know. It was also like in, in the way I was reading that his response, um, which is on which was on Reddit, and you can find the link up all over the place. Is it was almost like, oh, like please don't be mean to this guy. He was trying to yeah. do his best, but he's obviously like, he didn't say like who hurt this guy, but it's obviously like, he's yeah. like, oh, this, you know, this poor writer must have something going on in his life to be yeah. this angry, especially when he came and it's, and it's even obvious in the guy's own article that how nice Sanderson was to him and how his family and his friends and his co and like all of his employees were to the writer. And then the writer kind of turned around and did this. So, um, super sad, super sad and super glad that Brandon Sanderson was a good example of, of how to be gracious or forgiving uh, for something like that. But maybe it's just because he's super Mormon. I don't think so. Like, but it's this like either weirdo, weirdo Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> so Super what I'm Mormon. curious about, like you all remember, I don't even read the Huffington Post or HuffPo. I don't even know if it exists anymore, but remember it used to be curated and edited and then they opened it up to like, Oh, all you have to do is like mm -hmm. apply and then you can be a, a, an, a writer and then they still kind of vetted them and then eventually it was just like it's free for all it's like it's like medium basically at that point like you can put if you just have an account and you post whatever you want Did, has wired come to that where like they don't even have anybody that like says they don't have one like managing editor who says oh you know you got to tone this down buddy he he well, is the editor oh. he's a senior editor for wired if, if I, I i believe really? so yeah i, I mean it's like they sent him out there Wow, he the buck stops with with him. Unfortunately, right. well, I hope the buck <laughs> stops with the advertisers. I hope some advertisers got I got wind of this, and they won't. They all they look at is clicks, which is why when you go to a fucking website like this, you have to click through eight pop up ads and then click to continue reading, and then click again to continue reading after that ad. Mm. It's all a bunch of convoluted bullshit, and that's why journalism is dead. Boom. I think so. I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. Probably and right. Um, <laughs> have I ever been wrong about anything? Come on. <laughs> 
Not that you remember. Um, <laughs> we are including, there, there was a really nice that RA, uh, um, previous and greater host of the show, um, shared with us a kinder, gentler article about Brandon Sanderson from Esquire magazine. So we put a, a clip to that in there as well. It's definitely worth a read because it gives a, it's a, it's a well-written and shows a very positive, uh, take on that, um, take on him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, whew. it just made me so angry, this whole thing, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I asked him on Twitter to do an article on me. And I promised him I wouldn't be like nearly as nice as Brandon Sanderson, <laughs> um, but he hasn't responded. Hmm. So, Author News Weekly reached out to uh, the author uh, for <laughs> comment on this, uh, and uh, he has not responded by the time of the publication. First, the big suicide lady. Now this. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then <laughs> yeah, and then the author on the run. Yeah, Lena Hopkins. Lena Hopkins. I haven't. I haven't. You know. I think. I think she's out on bail, but I, I don't remember. I don't remember the details. She skipped bail. She missed her court appearance. Oh my gosh! I don't know. if We actually discussed her on the show. Maybe just we, I, we have not. We have yeah. not. You know, we're trying not to be a gossip rag, but you know, like, hey, if you want to hear more, it gets the clicks. We get, we have clicks, we have listens and downloads. If it gets the downloads, I think people have to download it first before they can hear that we're talking about it. Um, but please, please share this with your um, fellow authors who uh, need the news. All right. Next up, that was like an ad read. Speaking of ad reads. <laughs> It has been announced slash teased that several of our favorite audiobook platforms and Audible um, are going to be um, sandwiching. Uh, sandwiching is too positive because I like sandwiches. They're going to be squeezing in advertisements in the middle of your books, in the middle of your audiobooks. And um, yeah, <laughs> what do you think about it? Who it's has awesome. the details here? I know. Yeah, that's my least favorite part of what, podcasts. But least favorite part of what? Podcasts, but I listen to them then. So, well, yeah. you know, but like it's podcasts are one thing, like because they're free, they're free, and it's not really a story, you know. So, like, you can kind of it's that's like true. you know, kind of takes takes us back to like watching television or a radio show. Eventually, you get some ads. Hopefully, they're relevant. Right. Well, there's some yeah. interesting implications here because I, I listen to Spotify, but I don't pay for the premium service. So I do get an ad, you know, every so often. But the beneficiary of that ad is Spotify, I guess. You know, I'm not totally sure. Um, I do the same thing with YouTube. So I, I watch YouTube not premium. So every so often in a video, you know, an ad will pop in. But the creator of that video is part of that ad share. So I don't know if there's a, an idea down the road that, you know, wherever you find that ad or wherever you come across that ad or it's placed that your author or, you know, the person who is responsible for that audiobook would get a piece of that. So that changes, that puts a whole different prism on this. And I, I personally don't think it would upset me too much as long as it's not like, you know, just repeated every chapter or so. I mean, I think Spotify is every, I don't know, minute five minutes something i mean not five minutes five songs that maybe they throw in an ad and it, you just listen to it and you just pass it by it's almost ubiquitous 
I think the the problem here is that this isn't a new service um, and, and it isn't substantially different than what already exists. We So I guess what I mean is that, you know, we as listeners or readers have an expectation of what Audible is and they're subverting that with this, right? Like if they had, hey, we're going to start Audible Plus, or, well, I'm making it up, like with some, something completely different. You can still do the same Audible stuff over here. But if you go, you know, pay extra money a month, you get this and this and then this. And then, or if you pay less, you get this and this and this, but there's ads in all the books. Um, give us some choice. But to, to, to just say, hey, we're just going to throw ads in the middle of shit. It, it feels a little shitty, right? But but to, to, for a new service to come out and do that, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. It's just because it's like mm-hmm. clearly a cash grab. It's clearly like, hey, we have no other ideas. We certainly can't treat authors better. Um, so why don't we shove ads in the middle of this shit and try to get extra dollars out of out of everybody? Um, so that that's what I don't like about it. I don't have a problem with ads in books in general, um, even in the middle of a book. Like, I think it'd be hilarious actually if they got the same narrator to do the ad for another book. So like, but but it would just start into it. It'd be like chapter three, and it'd be like uh, Troy Bodine got off. The episode, blah, blah, blah. Like by the end of the chapter, it's like, yeah, you're you're right. I I'm reading a different book now. If you want to keep going on this book, then just click here um i don't know i i think there's some fun to be it's had like with some of this book stuff. sniping book sniping or <laughs> if they like strategically place it into like the most downtrodden point of the book or like the the, the all is lost scene and right at the end of that and then come in and be like yo bitches what up i got another book for you to read check it out <laughs> and there's like music going you know sandstorm in the background like i think again there's some fun to be had here i i just i'm interested in playing with it but i won't touch it because it's audible well i guess if they are if they uh um if they auto detect the part of the, the audiobook where people just kind of give up <laughs> and, play, <laughs> and, and place a, an ad to a better book like just before mm. you know or like um or give them like a little bit of a break i, I don't know i i don't know it's kind of weird it's just sort I also of weird. like the idea of advertisers like bidding on different authors and being like oh can i be in brandon sanderson's books because they're getting mm. streamed mm. <laughs> I think it also depends on what it's going to, so what happens when you're in the middle of an audiobook? like you have to, it's not, there's no clicking, right? Unless the audio, unless the audible app screen also changes at that point to like give you something clickable. Um, but if like you're driving or something, you're just listening to it, it's like, you're going to have to, re- you know, it, it's going to be, I mean, I'm, we're assuming this is for other books, but I mean, it could be right. for anything. It could be for, you know, state hey, farm insurance. Page. Yeah. <laughs> an audible at Jiffy yeah. or additional one. Oh, because it, you know, Audible has that um they they um connect to Wave and Google Maps. It's like, hey, we you know, we, there's a McDonald's oh, yeah, up yeah. on the next corner. You know, it's like <laughs> you know what go great with this murder mystery? Fries. You know, I what, I, what they should do is and I, I would be totally behind this, is um track all of us authors. And then as you're driving around, be like, hey, you're reading this book. And this guy, he's actually three cities over. If you just get on the highway, <laughs> head over, we'll know how to find him. <laughs> he's in the McDonald's on the corner of he's in the McDonald's getting fries. He's, in a seedy he's, restaurant. he's listening to a he's listening to a book <laughs> I, we think you'd like. There's there's a there's a massage parlor behind a restaurant that he's descended into. I don't know why it's underground. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he just pulled over there to park to, to ride it right on his laptop in the shade but hey, you, know, you never know AI. i figured we should just get more connectivity engagement with readers you know it's however you build it i'll sell my soul i've done it before 
Well, these technologies are pretty good at connecting dots, um, Mm -hmm. you know, as we've all seen. Uh, Nick, I agree with you, like about like if it was a new thing or even like a new service within it, like with if Audible came out with a new version, like another option for you, that would be fine. Um, Spotify the same way. Um, And also like giving readers the short... If, if it's like Spotify now, where if I don't want ads, I can pay to not have ads, that, that's one thing, right? right. Um, but we'll have to see what Audible is like, because Audible doesn't have any sort of ads right now. So like, we don't have, we don't know what the kind of thing, like Spotify could easily just say, hey, you know, like, we're going to do some sort of a, this could be the beginning of their, their audiobook subscription model. And it's like, hey, we have this one where you can, you know, get ads in the middle of the books. Um, yeah. And then here's another one that's uh, pay extra and you don't. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with this, especially if it makes books more affordable. Uh, it makes audiobooks more affordable because audiobooks are prohibitively expensive for a lot of readers. And especially if it made them more affordable to produce, you know, if you could um, create, get a royalty share option mm. for an audiobook. And part of that royalty share came from future ad revenue profits. That would be much more appealing. Or if there was a way, instead of paying upfront for an entire audiobook, you could pay upfront with a portion of future ad revenue against that. I have a feeling that's probably not how it's going to work. It's probably not going to make audiobooks more affordable to nope. produce. Um, but I don't have a problem with ads and audiobooks. I listen to lots of podcasts and they all have ads. And yeah. I've gotten really good at learning how to skip right past them. <clears throat> Because yeah, well, most podcasts have 60 seconds or 90 seconds or 120 seconds worth of ads. So you just hit that 30 second skip button three times on this mm-hmm. podcast and you get right back to the content. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you have an ad for athletic greens in the middle of like, you know, your sci-fi novel or something that you're listening to. But like sometimes the ad is relevant. Like I want to discover new books to read. So in the age of AI that we're in now, like why not have ads that are hyper relevant? So if I'm listening to a book, I'm not going to get, you know, Joe Rogan's alpha brain advertisement. I'm going to get, hey, check out Dave Barron's new book. You're listening to this one already. And Dave's is just as bad as this one. So, like, go buy his. (laughs) I think that's the both of you bring up excellent points. I think that when I think ideally it would be for other books, right? Because you're already in a, a reading mode, you're going to want to hear about other books that are similar to this book. Maybe there'll be like it, like like Jim. I don't think it's going to reduce the cost of producing a book, but if you can offset the cost of producing by counting on additional revenue, and th- you know maybe that could be one thing, like you said. But also, if authors have the opportunity to put in advertise put in advertisements for other books my fear is that it'll be for anything like mm-hmm. like and then like it'll be hard for an author to compete with athletic greens because athletic greens you know they're throwing they just throw money around right and they just get it out there they want their they want the brand recognition so many places that um, it's gonna would be hard to compete with that kind of money for like so if there's like a bidding type of a thing where you're bidding to be in that particular book I will Big name say, authors might win, but if yeah. if it is open to anyone, I am one hundred percent buying the domain Nautable.com and I'm gonna be like, yo, what's up? You listen to Audible from Audible? Check out Nautable. It's everything that Audible isn't. Go buy shit from there now. 
and then it'll be and back. Not blowhole. You're not going to be advertising. That'll be the other one that I advertise. Come blow me on blowhole, folks. At we use at sign or whale emoji. That would be like a little handle. It's hard to type on a keyboard, but still. Yeah. So I spell blowhole again. B L W H L. Okay. Hmm. That's yeah. Nice. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is there actually a domain Blue. for that? Blue. Uh, yeah, Nick Bostel. <laughs> it's like the as it's owned by Nick Thacker, right? It's like the Boston Legal Warehousing.com. Uh, yeah. uh, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's some some acronym society. Yeah. Well, if you can find the development site for Blowhole, you'll still find me. You can come blow me on Blowhole. Um, I'm Roland, Roland Denzel or Whale Sign Roland Denzel. Whale Sign. Yep. Whale Sign Roland Denzel. Uh, uh, wait till well, the, wait till the Google searches come up for that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't Google that. Our listener, is, uh, has, our listener has been Googling wildly <laughs> trying to find us. Uh, well, I think in related news, so, so we talked about the, you know, there's the, uh, the new things in audiobooks, but one of the things that has recently been discontinued or is being discontinued um, is Authors Direct, which is very much related to the Spotify announcement because who owns Authors mm -hmm. Direct? Find a way Voices, which is now owned by Spotify. And um, yeah, I mean, it's I think it's a sad thing for a lot of authors. Personally, I didn't use Authors Direct for the audiobooks that I put out there um, because it's not very direct. It's just that just because it has direct in the name doesn't mean it's direct. It's still, you know, and um, and the royalties weren't all that great. Yeah, compared to actually selling direct. Um, anyone here with audiobooks use? I have um, in the past for some yeah. series, um, but yeah, they're the problem with all these services is um, they they thought that um, distribution was the challenge. And marketing is actually the challenge. Like the distribution is easy. You just upload it to one of these services and you're good to go. But they didn't actually do anything beyond that. And so I've made a whopping 84 cents in the, like the decade I've been with them or something with the book. And so it's like, okay, well, this is not a loss. It's not going to be something that even registers for me. Yeah, I saw a lot of authors saying, well, that's my, you know, I, that's the one that I always promote to people. So now I got to go and find out that spot and all those. I mean, that's a good, you know, reason to use books to read links because then exactly. you only have one place to uh, to go change that. But, but yeah, Nick, do, do you even when you sell through Authors Direct, did you even get the email address of the of the listener? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I've never gotten any addresses from that. No. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting because apparently, and I looked a few days ago, and you could still go, and they still advertise Authors Direct on their website. Um, I don't know how it is this morning, but um, it was still there as if nothing was happening. But the service is definitely going away and going away pretty quickly. Well, yes, still right there. Yep. Congratulations, you can sign up for Authors Direct and like. Big surprise! You just did all this work to to sign it up, and now you can't use it anymore. When, yeah, and what's that? Surprise! Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So 
if, if anyhow, like what would you recommend for, for selling direct who who's here sells anything direct? I do. I recommend using book funnel and setting up your own payment platform. You can use Shopify, which I think is egregiously expensive, but it works really well. Um, I use WooCommerce because I'm not afraid to duct tape a little code together if I have to. And it works. It's great. You do it all yourself. You get all the money. Yep. All of it. Yeah. I use Payhip, which is not yeah, as well integrated. Payhip is great. I don't though. really think people really care as much as people think they care. Like, like the big thing about Payhip is it takes you to the Payhip store, right? And then right. that's where you do the thing where WooCommerce and Shopify right. makes it appear or in Shopify's case, I mean, I think they have a way, an API, so it can actually be on your own. They have like a plug, yeah. WordPress plugins and stuff, so it can be there. Or you can set up a really nice website. So I have one client who does their whole website via Spotify, mm -hmm. right? And um, so if you're doing something like that, it could be cost effective because you're not paying for hosting and all that kind of stuff as well. So that could be well, and it's well integrated with things like Lulu, you know, Lulu Direct, is that what it's called? Lulu mm -hmm. Direct? Yeah, so you can get print on demand um, and sell direct that way. Um, but I use PayHip, it's been pretty, it's done pretty good and it integrates very well with BookFunnel for eBooks and audiobooks and um, helps me uh, uh, do the autograph copies and, and sell direct as well. So it's pretty good. I way. think BookFunnel is under, underutilized. Right, yeah, I think, this is not an advertisement. It's just <laughs> partially brought to you by the fact that I feel like I'm underutilizing book funnel at most times. But <laughs> I mean, what's nice for me about book funnel is that um, I have, I buy, a, buy or get a lot of books like arc copies and um, free first and series kind of things through book funnel and book funnel keeps those for me. So like if I delete it or get a new mm -hmm. phone or something like that, or want to download it onto my computer, like I just log into book funnel and all of my books are still there in my book funnel library. So if they've got a really good e-reader, they've got, so even if you don't want to send to your Kindle or install it into some other listening app, you can just listen mm -hmm. and read right there in their own app. And it's really good. It's very, mm -hmm. uh, on par. I've been, I was, talking to Damon, uh, Courtney, trying to get him like, you know, every time I see somebody with a really bad ebook service, I'm like, or audiobook service, I'm like, Damon, go, go talk to these people. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they should just whitelist that thing and move on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm, yeah. I've been asking them that for years, like build me a custom book funnel, white label app, you know, mm -hmm. and he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you asked him? February. Six, Damon. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's too bad. Keep bugging them. And if people want a white labeling system, maybe they'll do it. Never know. Um, this is this last one. Um, who here ever uses book depository or promotes books via book depository? Um, I have. Um, I'm a, for my nonfiction, I have a lot of clients. So I use a lot of my books to find clients. And sometimes I want to gift them or send them a, cop, a physical copy of my book. And it's very um, hard to do when they are in Australia, New Zealand, um, Japan, and even in some parts of Eastern Europe. Amazon is not everywhere. Amazon is not reliable. But Book Depository has like 
they have distribution centers or they're willing to suck it up and mail your physical copy from pretty much anywhere to anywhere. And it's um, pretty quick and reliable. And I've used them. I probably two or three books per month I send to people via book depository. Mm -hmm. And it's played a prominent role in, um, in my author business for my nonfiction. Your mileage may vary. And it will certainly vary for me now because Book Depository is closing. So what are you using instead wow. of Book Depository? Wow. I know. Um, well, Amazon is better now. So like they they do have more sites and more distribution centers around the world. So you can do do better. But there have been times when I've had to just suck it up and, you know, send them an author copy from here. Oof. Yeah. Mm. And it's tough. I sent a book to uh, uh, Bulgaria a few weeks ago, and it's still not there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And one time I sent one to Bulgaria, and it went to Belgium. Hmm. They both start with B, yeah. which is the only thing. And, and it came back. It <laughs> came back. That's not the same place? <laughs> mm. They're close to each other in the sense that they're both in the same hemisphere. Like Ukraine <laughs> and UK, those are, those are the same, right? They're the same, yes. They're yeah. The same, yeah. 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 So it's not a big thing. It's not a huge, I mean, is it a huge story for some people? Maybe I think there's a lot of uh, people upset about it. Um, but what's interesting is that it was purchased by Amazon in 2011 or 2012. And uh, so it's lasted 11 years under the Amazon reign and before it was finally closed down and presumably as part of the 20,000 person layoffs that Amazon recently announced. It's back. never made a profit. That's is that true? Is that right? Yeah. It, or one month it did, but yeah, it's like it's been a loss leader. Well, I don't know if it's even a leader. It's just been a loss <laughs> for, uh, for eleven years. And they have like two hundred and forty nine, two hundred and seventy nine employees. And I'm like, what are they doing? What I mean, <laughs> they can't all be incompetent, right? Like, so it's clearly Amazon just wanting to save money by shutting down something that wasn't uh, wasn't making it uh, a a mint for them. Well, I don't actually have a problem with that. Like if a, if, if, if a company, like there's all sorts of things that Amazon cuts that sometimes we think they're great, but that doesn't mean that a lot of people are using them. Like sometimes there are businesses or like little things that one group of authors was really like laid in on hard. And then it's got like this, when they had the serial platform, right. the first serial platform way back when, and a lot of authors like really leaned in hard on that. And then Amazon went away and got rid of it. You know? But if you think about it in the big picture, it was probably a lot of work for them to do for not a lot of return. Right. And, if it, and, if, and if users weren't liking it, like why, why keep it up? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. You just wonder if Amazon actually cared <laughs> to invest in it and make it work um, or if they were just like, just wanted to buy it to shut down the competition, you know, one of those situations. Book depository. Yeah. It could be, but like, why did they hang on to it for 11 years? Cause it was a loss and they can write it off in taxes every single year. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a tax expert, but isn't it better to not have had the loss in the first place? Not necessarily. Mm. If you need to show a loss in one side of your company to reduce the taxable income on the other side of your company, it's not a bad thing at all. Otherwise, you're paying a bunch more in taxes than you than you want. 
Mm-hmm. And it's a completely legal and sometimes ethical way of doing it. Hmm. Can we buy book depository and not make any money on it for a few years and <laughs> write it off on our taxes? You can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You don't have to buy book yeah. depository to do it, though. This is the same reason that hospitals will somehow sometimes write off people's medical debt because they can take it as a loss. Mm-hmm. Just as a float that mm-hmm. up. Wow. Wow. So anyhow, things close, things that we love close. And what is the lesson? What is the takeaway here? Big Um, fish eat the little ones. Yeah. How about a positive spin? Big fish. What can an author do? What can authors do to prepare themselves for the inevitable closing of some of our favorite tools or sites? Start selling direct on your own website. Yeah. Yeah, start selling go, direct. Go, go director. If go you're director, director, go even more direct. More director. Go direct into the brainstem of your reader. Oh, that's coming. That's coming. That's the coming. Yeah. your lawyer first. I want to be the first paperback, or... hardback, special edition, audiobook, ebook, brain book. Mm-hmm. Brain book. <laughs> brain book. Exactly. TM that. When we get our USB like enhancements. Um, I want to be the first firmware installed, like the full Nick Thacker library. They'll be like, did I get anything else like languages? Nope. You got Nick Thacker's books. Thunder, Thunder, Thunderbrain. Thunderbrain. Mm, Thunderbrain. Thunderbrain. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say yes, go direct, but also remember your email list. Always be uh, prom- promoting to get new people on your email list. Keep the people that are on your email list happy. And, um, and also back up your email list because even your favorite email platform could suddenly go away overnight or lock you out and you will not have your list. So download it, back it up and treat it like it's money because it kind of such money. And it's yeah. <laughs> Jim. Nothing to add. Nothing to add. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, thank you for all for listening. Um, it's been fun and um, I'm trying to find some, some positive news. If anyone has some positive news for next week, the news was a little bit light. So obviously we went back into the Brandon Sanderson thing from, from a couple of weeks ago. It's still relevant. Um, but if anyone has any positive news, please send it to us. Um, I would love to hear it. I'd love to have it because we like to, to leave that for a positive spin uplifting for the end. Um, I'm Roland Denzel. You can find me at indestructibleauthor.com. And um, Dave, where can they find you? You can find me at baronsbooks.com or cover2book.com. And just for, everyone's, for everyone listening, um, Barons is B-E-R-E-N-S. Unlike the Barren Wasteland. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Jim, where are you going to find you? You can find me at jimhasker.com on the internet. Excellent. Pippa? You can find me at indieghostwriting.com. Oh, no, that's great. <laughs> Awesome. And Nick, you can find me at nickthacker.com. Awesome. And as always, you can always find us all on blowhole. Come over and, um, you know, blow us. Blow us. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Happy writing. <laughs> <laughs>